Matthew 5, we'll start at verse 33. Again, Jesus, this is Jesus talking. You have heard it, you've heard that it was said to the people long ago, Do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. All right. Matthew 5, that's Matthew 5, 33 to 37. So that's uh, the next passage that we're in. In this series that we've been going through, uh, that we're calling Jesus Talks. And kind of off the idea of the whole TED Talks thing. And just sharing some, you know, if you want to talk about ideas worth spreading, it doesn't get better uh, than what I, the ideas that Jesus was spreading 2,000 years ago and has continued to spread through the sharing of the Gospels. You know, we believe that 2,000 years ago, um, it wasn't just a baby that was born, it wasn't just a Savior that was born, um, but it was the Son of God, the very Word of God, uh, the ultimate representation of truth and wisdom, was born into the world uh, on that Christmas morning. And so it's, it's, when, we come to, when we come to church, when we come to worship, we're not just worshiping our Savior, we're worshiping also the wisest one to ever live, the one who modeled what it should look like for us to, to live, um, the, the life that God designed us for, right? Uh, so we are, we're talking about someone who, you know, perhaps sometimes we don't, for some reason, Jesus doesn't come to mind immediately as, as like the wisest person we can think of, and yet he should, for sure. In fact, Jesus himself said that the reason he was born was to bear witness to the truth. And everyone on his side is on the side of truth. And as we talk about truth and honesty today, uh, then that's particularly pertinent. The, the reason for the reason for the season, right? We always say Jesus is the reason for the season. Okay, the reason for the reason for the season. According to Jesus' own words, he came into the world, he was born to bear witness to the truth. And everyone on the side of truth is on his side. And everyone not on the side of the truth is on someone else's side. You know, there's a, a, the famous story that people even, uh, you know, that aren't necessarily churchy people or aren't that familiar with the Gospels or with the uh, scriptural narrative, they, they a lot of times know the story, right, of Adam and Eve in the garden. And the temptation to eat from the fruit and this serpent that comes and, and tempts Eve. It says in Genesis 3, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And see, that's... That's deception or lie number one. It wasn't really a full lie, just a deceptive lie, a carefully crafted twisting of the truth. Uh, 
a question, really, more than a statement, designed to push Eve away from what was true and right. And so the woman says to the serpent, oh, well, just to clarify, you know, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God said, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you'll die. Oh, you will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Again, subtle, tricky, the sort of lie you could just about get away with. The worst kind of lie, the worst kind of lie is the one that manipulates the truth, that poses as truth, that contains enough of the truth that it sounds real, but is enough of a lie that it can ruin your life. God, when he found Adam and Eve, said, What is this you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. Millennia later, we don't know how long, Jesus, Jesus said, He said, He was a murderer from the beginning. He's talking about Satan. Not holding to the truth, for it, there is no truth in him. And when he lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar and the father of lies. Today, my main proposition for you is that you and I grossly underestimate the value of truth. And... We definitely grossly underestimate the cost of lies. Every bit of truth that we speak and live in the world promotes the flowering of life. And every bit of truth, of, of deceit, I mean, every bit of deceit that we sow with our words and with our life sows and deals death. I'm not exaggerating, I'm speaking from Jesus, I'm speaking from scripture here. It's a big deal, it's a bigger deal than we make of it. Jesus, in this passage that we read, speaks some really strong words. Again, as we've been saying with each of these segments we've looked at, uh, when we approach these teachings of Jesus, it's important for us to put them in the context that they need to be in. Uh, he's using teaching tools uh, that were common in his day. He's using exaggeration, hyperbole. He's also uh, using contrast. You've heard it said this. Well, I'm telling you this. Uh, he's kind of trying to uh, get them to think in a new direction, if you will. One thing he's not doing is stepping up legalism. Okay, it's easy to read these passages and say, okay, well, Jesus has taken like, you know, a law from the Ten Commandments or from the laws of Moses or whatever, and then he's, he's ramping it up to a whole other level that's so much harder to attain. And, and it's just like, man, you know, we thought that the Ten Commandments and stuff like that were hard. Well, Jesus is extra hard. 
And what, one thing we have to recognize is Jesus is not giving us more hoops to jump through if we want to be right with God. Instead, he's showing what the heart of the law was. He's saying, you know, when we looked at, at murder, uh, he was like, you know, if you think that you're obeying the spirit of this law, if you think you're living by faith uh, because you haven't literally throttled someone with your bare hands, uh, then, then you're missing the point. And that whether you murder someone with your hands or with your heart, uh, you're still destroying life and relationships. And, and similarly uh, with the topic of desire and fantasized desire and lust last week, you know, talking about how uh, it's not just do you, did you technically commit adultery according to the letter of the law. It's how are you living in relation to others? How are you uh, living in relation to God? And, and so the, the heart of the law, it has a, it has a purpose behind it. It's not, these aren't just arbitrary laws. They are put there for a reason out of God's wisdom to guide us towards the better ways of living. Uh, the ways, closer to the way that, that he designed for us to live. And he is our designer. And so we want to live in truth. Right? We want to live in wisdom. We want to live in a way that, that promotes life and doesn't destroy life, that uh, builds healthy relationships rather than uh, breaking them down and destroying them. And so, uh, again, when we come to this passage, uh, we can't just read this as, okay, he's giving us more hoops to jump through. He's giving us, you know, if we want to you know, go to heaven or be right with God, then we've got to do this, this, and this. Jesus came not to bring a whole another uh, set of moral to-do lists of, of, that are going to somehow get you right with God. No. He came, in fact, uh, to say that you need to become someone different. Uh, it's not about behavior modification. It's about becoming, it's about you modification, right? It's about becoming the kind of person that God designed you to be. And so uh, Jesus was much more interested in our heart. And in each of these teachings... He goes from a legalistic mindset to a let's address your heart mindset. Let's address your life. Let's address who you are and who you're becoming. Thank goodness we know that Jesus died and resurrected so that we could have a new shot at life. We could have forgiveness. We could be made right with God. And then by His Spirit, we can begin to change and be transformed from the inside out. That's, it's a partnership of effort on our part and power of the Holy Spirit at work in us that, that creates this new life within us. And today we're specifically on this topic of truth. Honesty. In Jesus' day, they used oaths a lot. Uh, you know, in our day and culture, we think of oath-taking as something that perhaps you do if you take a witness, if you're on the witness stand, or, or perhaps you do it if you're being sworn into some office of government, uh, be it a, as a judge, or uh, perhaps even as an office like the President of the United States, or a, a senator, or whatever. You, you put your hand on a Bible, and you take an oath, something like that. that you know, we see it more often than not on, on TV or something than we do in real life. Uh, Oath-taking is not something that we're necessarily accustomed to doing, uh, at least in the, in the sense that they did in Jesus' day. But in Jesus' day, it was almost like swiping on your credit card is these days, like something you did all the time, everywhere you went. It was uh, part of your dealings with other people, business dealings. Uh, you know, if, if you're trying to negotiate with someone about anything, uh, whether 
you know, something in your home with your spouse or your kids or something business related at, at work or whatever the case may be, uh, it's very likely that you would employ this tool of oath taking. And so because it was so common, they were very good at it. And some people were better at it than others and were able to use it very craftily. And, you know, perhaps one of the closest things that, that we could tie this into in our day would be uh, like uh, lawyers, politicians, salesmen, even, dare I say, preachers, uh, people who are, are crafty with their words. And uh, so, for instance, you know, we say that if a lawyer is talking, uh, he's lying. <laughs> you know, we'll say things like that. We'll, we'll watch our politicians uh, give promises while they're on the campaign trail, right? And then we don't exactly hold our breath to see if they're actually going to fulfill any of those. Uh, rarely happens. They, they have things they feel like they have to say on the campaign trail. Most of those things they don't even have power to affect, but they pretend that they can and that they will while they're on the campaign trail. And then they weasel out of it once they take office. Uh, you know, salesmen will tell you just about anything that they can to get you to buy their vacuum or their car or whatever. Uh, advertising on TV, you know, they'll go as far as they can uh, towards deception as far as they think they can get away with, right, without getting in legal trouble. And, and so they're very careful about how they word it. Uh, so are politicians, so are all kinds of salesmen, uh, preachers even, right? Uh, you'll see them on TV and they're, uh, they're sort of twisting the truth uh, to kind of get what they want. A lot of times that's money or a new jet or a new sports car that, they, that the Lord has said they need. And so, uh, so they have crafty ways of talking and using their words in, in order to get what they want. They may, uh, you know, especially with, when salesmen advertising, you'll see them say... Uh, make claims, right, that are eh, not maybe entirely true or accurate. They have ways of being just, you know, twisting the truth just enough where they probably can't get in trouble for it, uh, but they probably can convince you to buy their product, even though uh, it's not everything they chalked it up to be. Well, this is kind of the nature of what oath-taking could do in that culture. Uh, there are people who were really good at making oaths and promises could sound really convincing and they could put themselves in a position where they were technically not going to get in trouble. You know, they had left themselves a, a loophole in some way uh, but they sounded really convincing to others so that they could get their way. And so we still do this in a lot of ways today. Perhaps we don't uh, do it in the same way that they did, taking an oath by an altar in the temple or taking an oath by you know, some sacred object or, or place or thing. Um, perhaps we have different ways of, of doing that. We, we, a lot of times we'll use absolutes in our conversations with others, right? We'll say, um, we'll say you never, right? Or I always uh, will will take something that's partially true and will twist it a little bit, uh, but not so far that it's, you know, an outright lie. And, uh, and but, but we use that to manipulate people. We use that to, more often than not, try to get our way. We make promises that we don't intend to keep, or maybe in the moment we do, but 
But if we were honest with ourselves, we know it's not really that realistic. We even try to make deals with God, which is something they also would try to do in that day. Uh, you know, and we'll say, you know, God, if you'll do this for me, I'll do this for you. And uh, we try to make it sound really impressive. Uh, and then when it comes down to it, we don't always follow through on our end of the deal. Here's the thing. We tend to think of the worst lies being the starkest lies. We tend to think of the worst lies being just outright blatant lies. And especially if they get someone else in trouble, perhaps, you know, if you, if you lie under oath um, in a court of law to get someone else in trouble, ooh, that, I mean, you know, that's, that's significant, and it is. And we tend to think of, of some other kinds of lies as you know, not as big a deal. Um, you know, especially depends on who you're lying to, uh, what you're trying to get away with, or what you're trying to get, you know, how, how far did you take it? Was it just kind of a white lie, or was it uh, really a, a just outrageous lie? And so we grade lying and truth on a scale, and, and I think that there's a certain level of untruth that most of us get comfortable with in our lives. And your level of untruth may be different than my level and so forth. But we, most of us, have like, yeah, you know, there's an acceptable threshold. Um, you know, I might lie on my taxes a little bit. Uh, because after all, uh, who cares? It's Uncle Sam. And anytime we can stick it to the man, then great, right? Uh, you know, we, we all have our things in our lives that we, you know, a lot of us, it's automatic at this point. We don't even think about it anymore. It's just, uh, you know, we, uh, we have been doing it for so long that it's, we don't even think about whether it's true or not. We just have habits of ways of talking uh, in which we've learned that we can more often get our way if we twist the truth in this way. But we, a lot of times we may not even think of it as twisting the truth. But are those a big deal? Jesus said, all you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Here's the deal. The more we can bring our speech, our words, and our lives, our deeds into alignment with the truth, then the more we'll receive and share in the life that God intended for us. Okay? The more that we can bring our words, our speech, and our deeds, our life, into alignment together with the truth, then the more uh, we will receive and share life together. And I want to talk about three practical ways that we can work to bring our lives and our words into alignment with the truth. But first, I just want to finish addressing this thing of, is it, you know, which lies matter? Uh, and I just want to point out that, just as Jesus called him, the father of lies. The nature of the devil's lies are seldom just stark, outright lies. They tend to be white lies, uh, deceptions, twistings of the truth. 
And, and so when you want to think about, okay, what if I'm just telling a small lie? What if it's just a, a small deception? What if it's just a slight twisting of the truth? Well, I can tell you where that comes from. It comes from the father of lies. And so if Jesus said to them, uh, let me tell you who your father is, because you're a liar. <laughs> and this comes from the father of lies. Well then, surely we know that those kinds of lies, those small deceptions that we do with, our, with the way that we live and with the way that we speak and, and relate with one another, those small lies come from the evil one. They spring forth from him. They are of his very nature. That's how he operates. Uh, you think about the story of Jesus in the wilderness when he was tempted by Satan. And Satan's using scripture and, and twisting it slightly so that he can try and deceive Jesus and tempt Jesus into uh, making some kind of blunder and mistake. And so Jesus, through that, has to cling to uncompromising truth. Okay. This is how he operates. And so when we have this idea that uh, oh, well, this, these milder lies and deceptions, you know, it's not that big of a deal. Well, that's exactly how Satan operates. With mild ones that don't look like that big of a deal. And yet, it's those, those deceptions that have brought death into the world, that have brought brokenness into the world. And Jesus came to reclaim what hell had stolen, and that involves bringing truth back into the picture. And so we want to talk about how we're going to bring our words and our deeds back into alignment with the truth so that we can receive and share the life that God has intended for us. And I want to talk to you about three ways. And so if you've got something to write on and you want to write these down, we're going to talk about three ways that we can bring our words and deeds into alignment with the truth. First, First, you have to know the truth. You have to know the truth if you're going to bring your life and your words into alignment with the truth. You have to know the truth. And so, real practical here, study what Jesus said. Uh, we're all about making Jesus the subject around here. We've said um, that he is the truth. He is the light. He has all wisdom and knowledge. And so we go to him first, and we go to his apostles who expound on his teaching and on his ways, and, and we go to the guy who himself proclaimed that the reason he was born, here we are celebrating Christmas, the reason I was born, he said, is to bear witness to the truth, and everyone on the side of truth is on my side. And he backed that claim up through his death and his resurrection and his ascension to heaven where he sits with God the Father now. And his Holy Spirit is with us, still bearing witness to the truth for all who would seek it. So seek the truth. Seek it from Jesus first. Learn from his apostles. Listen to sound preaching. But never stop at hearing. Okay? So first we have to know something of the truth. Second, we have to speak the truth. We have to know the truth and we have to speak the truth. This is going to involve taming our tongue. This is much harder than it sounds. How do we begin to amend 
the way that we speak and to recognize what we're saying that's not truth. We're probably going to have to ask for His Holy Spirit to show us speech patterns that we use that are untruthful, that are uh, slightly deceptive. You know, maybe that is uh, that you tend to embellish things when you speak. Maybe that is that you tend to use absolutes like you never, or you always, or I always, or I never, uh, right? Be careful of those kinds of things. Maybe you use oaths and promises and swearing to make your point, to try to get people to believe your side, to try and get your way. So begin practicing choosing your words very carefully. It's hard at first, but with practice and with the Holy Spirit's help, you can learn to speak more truthfully. Try to speak as clearly and as simply as possible. Use as few words as possible to get the truth across as clearly as you possibly can and as simply as you possibly can. Jesus says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. You don't need to do all these uh, verbal calisthenics to convince people. Just speak simply. And the thing that makes that work is our last point. When you speak simply and then you back it up with your life. All right. So we've said you've got to know the truth. You've got to speak the truth. You've got to live the truth is number three. Live the truth. If you want to bring your words and deeds into alignment with the truth, the last thing you've got to do besides knowing the truth and speaking the truth is begin to live true. Live an honest life. What does that look like? I hear a lot of people, uh, it's just kind of like a common mantra or popular mantra today. Live your truth, right? Well, as Christians, we want to live His truth. Uh, our truth can get real tied up with a lot of lies that we bought into about ourselves, uh, about our desires, about even just that whole idea that you should live your truth. Live His truth. Pursue His truth. Uh, he came to bear witness to the truth. So, He's where we put our attention. Try to live according to the ways and the patterns that Jesus set forth for us to live. That would be living an honest life. Live responsibly. Take on responsibility in your life. Don't dump responsibility on other people for your actions. Don't dump responsibility on other people uh, for things that you ought to be taking responsibility for. That's a way of living honestly. Here's a huge one. Take the long view. Like, live, play the long game, is the way I've been saying it lately. Play the long game, not the short game. If you try to live for just with only this moment and the way you feel right now in mind, you're going to say and do a lot of crazy stuff. But if you can look ahead and be mature enough to look into the future and see, okay, I'm going to make decisions today that not only would be good for me now, but would be good for me later. Uh, that would not only be good for me, but would also be good for those around me. Uh, that would not only be good for my kid in this moment, but would be good for them 10 years from now, 15 years from now, 20 years from now. That would not only make my marriage happy right now, but would make my marriage blossom 50 years from now so I can celebrate my 50th wedding anniversary, whatever that looks like for you. Look, take the long view and live into that, and you're going to be more likely to live into truth. Live respectfully towards other people, but live uncompromisingly as well. Stand up for the truth. 
when other people want to go on a path that, that you can't, you just can't get on board with because it doesn't ring true to you in light of your faith and your belief uh, of what is true and right, then, then stick to your guns, but always be respectful. Don't be judgmental and condemning. Oh, you jerks, you're living a bunch of lies. Just say, sorry guys, uh, you know, y'all do what you do. I, I, can't, I can't be in with you on this one. Live as though God is real. And live as though Satan is real. Live as though there is a father of truth. And live as though there's a father of lies. I'm not equating God and Satan. They're not equals. I'm just saying truth comes from one source. Lies come from another source. Live with the acknowledgement that God is real. And that his ways really are better. Live with the acknowledgement that there is a deceiver who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. Live true. Live like pain and suffering are present realities in this world. Don't try and kid yourself that they're not. But also live as though hope is real. Here's the deal. I could go on and on about ways that we can live out truth. I could go on and on ways about we can, how we can speak out truth. But ultimately it comes down to this. Are you pursuing the knowledge of truth? Are you studying what Jesus and his apostles taught? And trying to work that into your mind and into your soul? Are you then trying to bring your speech and your life into alignment with his truth? Are you working and partnering with his Holy Spirit by his power to do that? then you're going to be on Jesus' side, on the side of truth. You'll be bringing your words and deeds into alignment with the truth, and that's going to mean that you're going to receive and share in life more fully. I think that it's just kind of a closing thought here. I think that it's easy for us to imagine that what we speak and say and do doesn't really matter all that much. You know, after all, just one person out of seven or eight billion, uh, even humanity, all of us together are a speck in the universe, right? Uh, how much does what any of us do really matter? Or, or you might think, uh, you know, it's just one slight embellishment of the truth. It's just, you know, one sort of twisting of the truth. It, it's... I'm not even sure I would call it a lie. So does it really matter all that much in the big scheme of things? Well, I want you to think of it this way. Instead of thinking of yourself as, as one speck in the universe, think of yourself as, like, <laughs> this is a strange word, a node in a network. Like, you're living in a network of people. On the, on the short end of things, if you only know a few people in your life, you'd, you're probably going to know at least a thousand people over the course of your lifetime. A lot of you are going to know way more than that. You're going to come into contact and rub shoulders with a thousand people, let's say. And each of those people are going to rub shoulders with a thousand people. And so just right there, you've already, you just the way you live and the way you speak has affected a thousand people directly, a million people indirectly. We are social creatures. When we speak and live truthfully, it makes a difference in the world. And that difference ripples out. When we speak and live deceitfully, 
that also ripples out and has an effect, much more of an effect than, than probably we could ever guess or imagine. And so again, I just want to suggest that we grossly underestimate just how much truth matters and just how devastating lies can be and deceptions. And so I want to encourage you, this is not, this is not about more hoops to jump through. This is about pursuing a better way of life. There is a better way, and you can live it, and it starts by knowing the truth. It starts by striving to live the truth, but it ends with the Holy Spirit's power at work in your, in your life. And, and if you will uh, take Jesus' words to heart and seek to apply them in your life and, and work with His Holy Spirit to identify places in your life where perhaps you're not being completely honest with yourself or with others, or in the way that you live your life, and you start instead to try to make your yeses be yeses, and your noes be noes, to speak clearly and simply, and to bring your life into alignment with that truth, then uh, you're going to receive and share life in a richer and fuller way. I believe that. So let's, uh, we're going to close with prayer today, and just pray where you're at, in your home or wherever. Father, we thank you for not leaving us deluded in lies, but for revealing the truth. God, we confess that we have unhealthy habits inherited from the evil one of twisting truth to pursue our own way and to get our own way. So Holy Spirit, convince us of the power of truth. Create in us hearts that long for the truth to flourish. And teach us to speak and to live in such a way that it really does flourish in us. God, before I close this prayer, I want to pray for each person who's been watching and, and the ones that couldn't get on to join us on, online today. Uh, Lord, that you'd bless them, bless their lives this week. Watch over us. I uh, pray, Lord, that you would help work out the details of all the uh, little troubles that we've been having around uh, church that led to us not being able to meet together today. And we ask that uh, you would work those things out uh, whatever schemes of, of Satan are at work to uh, prevent us from moving ahead with a, a bigger sign and things like that, whatever is going on, we pray, Lord, that you would work it out this week and bring us back together soon. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.